0: Stand by, we'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by, we'll be streaming live soon. Well, good morning, everyone, from Rick Bonfam Ministries. Uh, As you can see, I'm not Rick Bonfim, I'm Andy Hines, and uh, we've had a few changes here, and I'm actually going to be helping Rick uh, do these productions Um, uh, today. I'm the only one here, so I'm going to set it up from uh, our little work stand here, so I hope you'll be patient with me, and pray for us, because we're going to need help as I'm learning a whole new system, and uh, I'm excited about the opportunities the Lord's given us, and And we're just going to proceed from here. So, uh, let me open with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for today. And I ask you, sir, in Jesus' name, that you would enable the word to go forth. And we can get accomplished what you want to get accomplished in Jesus' name. All right. thank you, Lord. Now, we're going to talk today about uh, what I call the risk of faith. And we're going to talk in Matthew 25, uh, verses 14 through 30. And we're going to talk about, I'm going to go ahead and read it uh, from the uh, Holman Christian Standard Bible. Um, I like that translation. So I'm going to read these scriptures. And then we're going to look at it a little differently than probably we've heard of it before. Um, Eric Metaxas in this book, and I highly recommend that you get this book and read it, A Letter to the American Church. Uh, He talks about this parable in the... Is that better? All right. had some help from the boss there. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read these scriptures. For it is just like a man going on a journey. He called his own slaves and turned over his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. Then he went on a journey. Immediately the man who had received five talents went and put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those two slaves came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, "Master." You gave me five talents. Look, I've earned five more. Then his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. And in verse 22 Then the man with two talents approached, and he said, Master, you gave me two talents. Look, I've earned two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Then verse 24. Then the man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a difficult man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went off and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. But his master replied to him, You evil, slave, lazy slave, if you knew that I reap where I haven't sown, and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And when I returned, I would have received my money back with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have, Will be taken away from him. And throw this good for nothing slave into the outer darkness, and that place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, as we look at this, I I don't know, I've heard I countless sermons over this, and and I don't I don't think I've had one sermon where they weren't talking about stewardship. And they they, they talk to this and tell you about stewardship, but Uh, Eric Metaxas comes at this a little differently, and I like what he said. Um, He's talking about the guy that had the one talent and buried it as playing it safe. Uh, He's talking about a guy that doesn't risk what the Lord's given him. Uh, The other two guys were not afraid to take a risk and step out and, Whatever the Lord gave them, they, they went into the marketplace and risked it. Um, now, how he did that, I don't know. Uh, the stock market obviously wasn't there. But who knows what he did. But anyway, whatever it was that he did, he he put in five and got five back. So he's got ten. And the other guy put in two, got two back. He's got four. And so they took a chance. And the Lord rewarded him for it. Now, this other guy, though, didn't take a chance. He was scared. He was afraid to take what God had given him and actually use it, so he buried it. Now, I want to talk about, uh, bring up several points about that. First of all, this is about playing it safe for religious reasons and not doing the right thing. He said he knew the Master, uh, he said in, uh, let's see, verse 24, Then the man who had received one talent approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a difficult man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. He was afraid to risk what God had given him. Now, one question comes up. He says, I know you. You're a difficult man. Well, it doesn't seem to be that he actually knew him because these other men, God, he showed him his gracious nature by giving them uh, much more responsibilities and rewards for what they did. We could go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and find out that God rewards uh, those who diligently seek Him and believe that He is and, and that without faith it's impossible to please God. So, you could say beyond a shadow of a doubt that this guy in verse 24 did not please God. So, he wasn't operating in faith. If he's not pleasing God, he's not operating in faith. Now, what exactly was it that he did? Well, one of the things we want to do in this is we want to identify who do we say God is? Who is it that <clears throat> like like was asked Peter? Who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're this and some say you're that, but and then he got down to the brass tacks. But who do you say that I am? That's the question. So um, how do we identify God? Is he a is he a gracious master, or is he a drill sergeant that's Quick to punish you every time you turn around and make a mistake. Uh, does he does he does he operate in your life in grace so that you can make off you know take off and do what you believe God's told you to do? I had a friend of mine when when Julie and I back in the in 1981 we were in uh, Columbus, Ohio, we had to move to Tulsa, and we we felt like God wanted us to do it, but we were scared to make the move because we didn't want to make a mistake. And we had a friend that was already at at school, going to school in Tulsa, so we actually drove out to see him. And when we got out there, uh, we investigated everything, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we stewed, and we prayed. And I'll never forget that he, he set up a breakfast for me and he turned around and put a plate of eggs in front of me and a cup of coffee, and then he pointed to me and he said, Andy, God's grace is far greater than your ability to screw things up. He said, if you go to Tulsa and it wasn't God's will, he'll cover you. But you're making a step because you believe that's God's will. Trust him to get you where you need to go. And it did. I mean, I we saw miracle after a miracle when we moved to Tulsa. Um... Our revenue dropped in half and our expenses doubled and we never missed a trick for anything. So anyway, that's another story, but we got to risk. you got to take a risk on faith. You have to do that. Now, there's no middle ground here. You can't ride the fence with God. You're either on one side or the other. You either trust Him or you don't. And um, where do you see God's grace Entering your life, are you afraid to take a risk and step out of the boat like like Peter did? Are you afraid to do that? Are you afraid to to move? I I I look at uh, Peter and John, and um, I look at Jesus in John chapter in in John chapter nine, uh, the blind guy, and then I look at at Peter and John in in Acts chapter three. uh, I don't have any money with me, but what I do have I give to you. Rise in the name of Jesus. He grabs the guy and he lifts him up. That takes faith. You've got to know that God's working with you and you can't be afraid to step out like that. This guy, this wicked slave, was afraid to do with what God gave him to even use it. He didn't want to step out. Now, Um, you must choose which God are you going to serve. Are you going to serve the gracious God or are you going to be hammered in the ground by condemnation and fear and hide everything that God gave you? That's your choice. You've got to make that choice. Um, Do you trust Him enough that we're willing to take risks? We must take what He's given us and make it grow. What What kind of talents, what kind of of resources, What kind of things is it that God gave you? Um, these servants treated his money like it was their money, and they invested it like it was their own. And that paid benefits to them. Um, the master freed them to take risks. And one thing I, I did want to point out, uh, the Holman Bible uses the word slaves. Others say servants. But basically these are indentured servants. These are they're like employees. They're not slaves in the sense of uh, the Civil War kind of slave. They're not that way at all. That's not what this means. And so um, don't. I just want to make sure I, I get that out there and make sure about that. Um, now, the failure to step out and trust God was condemned in the harshest of terms. The harshest of terms. If you you look at what the Master said about him, depending on which translation you're in, he said, You lazy, wicked slave. He called it wicked. Not, Not taking what God's given you and stepping out is wicked. Okay? Now, when you come to Christ, he forces you to make a decision. I go to uh, Revelations 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I'm sure you've seen the, the drawing of that where Jesus is knocking on the door. There's no door handle on the outside. It's only on the inside. He'll knock on the door, and you have to make a decision. Are you going to open it, or are you going to let Him stand outside? He'll do whatever you want to do. Uh, he does what people ask Him to do. If you go back in Mark 5, you see, or Mark 4, no, Mark 5. Uh, Jairus, um, he said, Hey, if you'll come lay hands on my daughter, she'll live. And Jesus went with him. Just before that, when the demoniac um, was uh, was the demons, the, the, the demons were cast out of him, he's sitting in his right mind. The people of the area were scared because they saw all the 2,000 hogs commit sausage side and jump into the lake. They came to Jesus and said, We want you to leave our land. So he did. So he's forcing us to make a decision. You're going to trust him or you're not going to trust him. Now, if we don't see him as our loving father, we judge him harshly. We judge him harshly. So. We're saying that there's no middle ground. It's not like, well, you're an okay dad, but it's like you either are or you aren't. You either trust God or you don't. If you don't, you're in the enemy's camp. If you do trust him, then you're on God's side. Now, our freedom is an impossibly great gift, and we must be careful that we don't use it in such a way that we condemn ourselves as harshly as Satan does. Now, self-talk is a problem. I, I teach at a, uh, an alcohol and drug recovery center called Fresh Wind. It's here in Athens. And one of the things that Fresh Wind teaches the guys is you gotta monitor your self-talk. You'll get defeated quickly if you let yourself self-talk overrule what God says. What God says is true whether you believe it or not. God's Word is true whether you believe it or not. So even if you don't feel like it's true, it's still true. And the self-talk that we learn as a child growing up, I know it's, for me it's been a difficult road to hoe to, to get rid of things that I that I learned quote when I was a kid about me that aren't true. It's uh, that's one of the things that the enemy does is he 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 plants these thorns and thistles in our lives, and then we grow up with them and thinking that those are good plants. Doesn't work that way. Now, if we do not see freedom, and live it out. We make ourselves slaves to Satan and sin. Now I want you to th- I want you to think about that for a minute. If we don't see what God's asked us to do, now in this in the in the case of the, the parable of the talents, everybody knew what God wanted them to do. Everybody knew it. The first two guys, the, the five talent guy and the two talent guy, had enough confidence in their master that they went out and made some money for it. And he enjoyed that. He liked that. The third guy didn't see God as that kind of a God. It's, he saw him as a harsh taskmaster. Said, I don't I, I I can't trust you. I just can't do it. So in that case, he's a slave to sin and, and he's listening to the enemy. Because it's the enemy that tells him that. If you go into, I believe it's Revelations 13, 6, one of Satan's um, tricks is to slander God, slander his people, and slander the place where God dwells, his home. So Satan's in the process of that. If you If you voice out and you act like, I don't trust God, Satan will feed that and he'll just pour condemnation on you He's the accuser. That's what he does. So in this situation, we've got to make a choice. Are we going to trust God or not? If we go to, you know, Matthew 14 is one of my favorite parts of Peter's life. Um, He's the guy in the boat, and Jesus is coming. And remember, these are fishermen, professional fishermen. They're in this boat. It's a storm. It's late at night. If you read the story, they've been working that boat for about eight, ten, nine hours or something like that, and they're only about a mile or a little longer than a mile down uh, across the lake, which is about eight miles across. So they've got a lot of work ahead of them, and they've been working all night long to get there. Now, this is the second story we've had in the storms. And i got to give Peter credit. In the first storm story, you see that in Mark chapter uh, 4, verses 35 to 41. They had no confidence in God whatsoever. When the storm hit, Jesus said, Let's go over to the other side of the lake. And when the storm hit, and he was asleep in the back of the boat, they got all bent out of shape. They thought they were going to die. And they, just, and they told him that, Hey, we just think we'd wake you up and let you know we're going to drown. Thought you might want to know that. Jesus gets up and stops it, and he points to him and says, You have no faith. Well, in this story, these guys have been working for hours, rowing through that out. I think they got hold of the rebuke that he gave them the first time, and they said, We're not going to give up this time. And so they're using their own strength and effort. To get to the other side through the storm. And they're 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 making a little progress, but not much. Jesus shows up, and Peter, to his everlasting credit, asks God, Hey Jesus, hey, if it's you, bid me to come on the on the water. What's Jesus going to say? No, it's not me. Yeah, it's me. Come. Peter does get out of the boat and he does walk on the water for a piece. Now, how far, how long, I don't know. But then he started looking around him and you know the story. He he goes down. But I tell you that even if he hadn't got out of the boat, if these guys didn't trust God, I imagine that boat's gonna sink before the night's over. They just happened to take step. And when he fell, and when he started to go down to the water, Jesus said, Oh, ye have little faith. So he has gone in Mark four from no faith. To Matthew fourteen to oh you of little faith so he's making progress and so he is looking towards God and he is stepping out and he is taking a risk and the Lord rewarded him pulled him out of the water and they they got to the other side just fine so those are some of the stories and and, and we could go on and we could look at and see many many other uh, exit uh, stories of faith. Where Jesus is looking uh, at people and asking them to do things that they don't quite have the ability to do. For example, uh, if we go, if you go look at feeding the five thousand, Jesus looked at the at the young man who was with him, Philip, I believe it was, and he said. What are we going to do? These people are hungry. They've been here all day. Well, he says, I don't know. We don't have, you know, my credit card's maxed out. I don't think I can buy anything. Jesus said, you give him something to eat because it says he already knew what he was going to do. He asked him to do something that he wasn't capable of doing. And in this case... Jesus asked these guys to take the talent that they had and trust Him and go do something that they didn't think they could do. Two of them did it. One of them didn't. So we see that by looking back at this, we can see that God's going to ask you to do some things that you may not have the ability to do, but He does. And He knows that. And He's wanting you to trust Him. Now, it takes courage. Your stomach may go through your throat with some of the things He asks you to do. Think about it for a minute. Get out of a boat in a storm to walk on the water. You can't do that. You don't get out of a perfectly good boat to walk on the storm, to walk on the water. But He did it. And uh, we could go on and on and on and talk about that, but the point is, just remember, Jesus will ask you to do things and you've got to take a risk of faith to actually go do it. Now, the last point that, that, that Eric Metaxas makes on this is if, is if uh, in fact, I'll read his quote it, it, here. It says, If we don't get out of the boat, we will drown just as surely as the one who tries and does not walk all the way to Jesus. The boat's going to go down, but you need to trust God how to get out of that situation. The last thing anybody would have thought about was about the the two stories here in Mark 4 and in Matthew 14. The last thing anyone would think was Jesus to get up and speak to the thing and solve the problem. Come forward to Matthew 14, these guys might be thinking Jesus is here, he's going to speak to the storm and stop it. He doesn't do that. He tells him to get out of the boat. Two storms, two different answers. Both of them will require an incredible amount of faith and trust in God. But you have to remember, he did not let them down. Now, I want to talk about um, Neil Anderson for a moment. And I I was reading this in, in his book, The Daily Discipler. And he brought up a list of things that I think are just absolutely perfect for us. Um, he talks about God being loving and compassionate. Now, he, he says this, Nobody is born with a true knowledge of God. We know that. And we don't have one until we establish a relation for with Him And learn from Scripture. So, the key here is we've got to stand and establish a relationship with God. Until we do that, our complete understanding of God is filtered through the grid of ignorance, false prophets, teachers, blasphemous mental thoughts that's that self talk we're talking about, oh, you dirty, rotten bum unhealthy interpersonal relationships. And less than perfect role models. So if we don't have a relationship with God, this is what we end up filtering our way through. That's what that—that's what the one talent guy did. He filtered it through all these wrong things. He assumed that's what God was like. Now, he gives us a little—a little table here of a comparison with God. He said that there's there's a true meaning or, or a true picture of God and a false picture of God. And here's the true picture of God. He's loving and caring. The false picture says He's hateful and unconcerned. The true picture, He's good and merciful. The false is He's mean and unforgiving. Steadfast and reliable, unpredictable and untrustworthy. Offers unconditional grace only provides conditional approval. He's always present and available, and what the enemy says, he's absent when you needed him. He gives good gifts to his people. The enemy says he takes away, he's a killjoy. He's nurturing and affirming. He's critical and never pleased, never satisfied. One other thing. He's accepting, and the enemy says he's rejecting. He's just, fair, and impartial. The enemy says he's unjust, fair, and partial. Now, if we look at these comparisons, you can see where you fit into this scheme. Are you going to trust God, or are you going to bury your talent? Now, I don't know what he might ask you to do, but... Um, I've been retired from my business, um, and I did uh, a lot of things. I was a, a franchise operations manager for two lawn care companies, and I managed 25 franchises in the South, uh, basically the old Confederacy. And um, I did uh, computer work for 25 years where I would help budgets and do accounting and so forth and so on. And uh, uh, when I retired, uh, the day after I retired, the Lord spoke to me clearly. And a friend of mine at Best Buy said, "Hey, why don't you come work for us on the front end? You'd be great to, you know, talk to people and have them come in the door." And I told him, "Sure, I got an application. I'm going to fill that out." And the Lord spoke to me in the parking lot, and He says, "I didn't ask you to retire to get another job at Best Buy." So I never worked. I've never, I haven't, I've done nothing since then that had anything to do with computers or anything. But then the situation arose where Rick needed help. And I prayed about it, and the Lord gave me four specific confirmations that told me that this is what He wanted me to do. So I came in here. I'm taking a risk. I'm coming back here. haven't done this kind of thing for a while. And all of a sudden, Those old juices that flowed for 25 years uh, when I managed everybody's accounting and and their computer systems and so forth, they suddenly just came back. So I'm taking a risk. Rick's taking a risk with me. So we're excited about what God's doing here. I hope this makes sense to you. Don't be the one talent guy. Be the, the two or the five talent guy. Take a chance. Step out and do what God's asked you to do, and let's trust Him, and just watch Him go to work. It's not going to be easy. Like I said, your old heart may jump up in your throat, but by golly, it's going to be there. So, I thank you for coming today, and I thank you for listening to us, and um, uh, we hold us in your prayer as I begin to work through this. There's a lot of things to learn. As you can see, I'm here by myself. I don't have the Uh, the different background. This is the work table that we work at, but uh, we could certainly use your prayers. I thank you so much for your time today, and I'm going to close with prayer. Father, thank you so much for what you've done for us and what you're going to do for us. Help us to trust you and walk with you, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you soon. Em beleza, força e luz Rosa de Saró